Good morning, Haven Church. How you doing today? All right. Let's stand up and let's worship the Lord. We're going to open up with prayer. Uh, Lord, we, as the uh, song that opened up today, you have done great things. We know that um, greater things you will do um, and that are yet to come. And so, God, during this hour, we just uh, empty ourselves out. We pray that your Holy Spirit will just fill this room and fill our lives, that we'll set aside anything that is concerning us or worrying us at the door, that we'll just hear what you have for us, and that um, you can do some even greater things in this place and in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. 
done will confess you have done. One day every knee will bow. Still the greatest treasure remains for those who gladly choose you now. Willingly we choose to surrender our lives. Willingly our knees will bow.
Lord God, we do pray for a breakthrough. We pray that our situations, for those who are dealing with all kinds of struggles, will change in the name of Jesus. And so God, as we are here today, we pray just that you will do just that prayer that we, we, um, we prayed today and we sang, that in Jesus' name, you are the God of possible. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, say hello to somebody near you. Say, glad you came to church. And then everybody else, our kids, you can head on to our Haven Kids. everybody right side up because it's been an upside down week for a few of us but God help us we're all here today and I'm full of Jesus so look out <laughs> Melissa <laughs> I'm kidding um, actually I'm very excited to be here and I want to start off with some just praises God has been good this week um, brother Bill had a surgery it was successful five hours long that's a long time to be under and he is doing well I see Ed is here and his back is good. I am just so excited. Um, and for any of the others that had surgeries and I missed, just come up and smack me later. It's fine. Um, I do also want to say that the um, Elkton Little League senior girls, including my granddaughter, are kicking butt and headed to Massachusetts. Woo! And if they win and go to the World Series, it'll be in Southern Delaware. So think about that. I will be there. Look out. Um, I also want to thank you all for the clothes. Oh my gosh, they're coming out the walls. I'm so excited. Um, on our own, we'll be picking them up later this week, and they are just so blessed and so grateful for everything that we have put in there. So they are going to get some families back in action. So thank you, every one of you. Bless you. Um, also, um, I want to say, uh, can't read my own handwriting. That's really bad. Oh, thank you and praise me. I don't know what that means. Oh, Vicki, Parish Meals, that's what that says. My bad. Um, today, we raised 90 meals for Parish. Thank you, everyone that volunteered. And Vicki is going to be our delivery person. Thank you very, very much. Um, and also, I want to, um, I, I think as this, this song said and Jack repeated, you know, we want healing. We want to break those chains. And we want miracles. So before I start my prayer, whenever I put your hands down on your knees, give it to God, let it go. All those things, all that came with you this week, those heavy things that are on your shoulders, just let them go because we're here to worship God and let him come in our heart and praise him and take on his grace and his goodness because he gives it every minute of every day. Now I want you to put your hands up 
and say, girl only has 39 seconds, so she better hurry up, okay? Um, Jim's, he has a little poster back there, and he keeps saying, be quiet, but anyway. Um, there, there are some things that went on this week that I want to, um, Ruth and her family, Carly and Kyle, lost someone very close to them this week, and it was kind of sudden. Um, and this is the first time her children have experienced death, especially someone so close to them. So we want to lift that family in prayer. And as a reminder, we will be doing the loss of spouse today at 6 o'clock. For anybody who wants to know, you'll get to hear me speak again. So come. Um, it's a great group, and it helps people work through grief. It just doesn't have to be a spouse. It can be anyone. Um, you do not have to be registered. If you're not registered, we'll get you registered tonight when you show up, and we have a book for you. So it's at 6 o'clock. Anybody is welcome to attend. And then following that, in August, we kick off our 13-week grief share group, which helps folks work through any kind of grief for any reason, okay? So that will be starting in August. Um, one announcement today, no youth group after church. And... I want to now lift up some folks in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Bethany has asked us to pray for Tara Klein and her son, Reeve. Um, Tara's husband, Kevin, who's a very young man, um, was killed at work in a work-related accident Wednesday. Please pray for Kevin's friends as well. We are devastated by this loss. He was a very young man, and I understand it was a very tragic accident. So let's lift that family with love. Um, Linda Sue Campbell, her friend Mary, her husband Howard died on May 8th after a fall, um, and she is inviting her and bringing her, where are you, Sue? Okay, you're in the back row. Um, she's going to bring her to Grief Share, so hopefully we will help her work through her grief. And also Sue's having some tests done at John Hopkins, and hopefully we will find out what's going on with her health and see her get healed. Melinda, her husband John, is going to be having sinus surgery on Friday, July 25th to remove some polyps, so we want to pray for him, and as well, she's going to have surgery on July 28th to close a hole in her right ear, so we need to get that fixed. And Holly Kipp, God bless you, child, where are you? Keep going. She is on her weight loss journey and is continuing to do well and prays she has 100% return of her hearing. Yay. All right, let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time that we get to come together and share, that we get filled with the Holy Spirit, and we know that you took our feet, got us out of bed today, and we are blessed. As a church here, we unite, we hug one another, we love one another, and we serve you. Teach us to do that every day, because when our hearts are filled with love, we can only move forward. Be with Pastor Jack today as the Holy Spirit fills him, and he talks to us about being blessed. In Jesus' name I pray for breakthroughs, for your miracles, and your healing. In Jesus' name, amen.
mentioned and others. So we um, love for you to connect in. Um, definitely give a plug for the um, the grief share that's going to be beginning, and, and that's been just a fantastic um, ministry that people have had. Also, um, some of you, if you're on the mailing list, and I always challenge you to get on the the list because um, you know they come out, or you can go ahead and register on the app. I know that Kate and her team are getting ready for Vacation Bible School, so that'll be happening, and they've got some really cool stuff planned for there. And it was really neat this week. Um, we um, we had uh, a young. A young, um, a young family and um, father just shared that his uh, son, ever since vacation Bible school last last week, uh, last year, was um, asking about Jesus and was so excited. And this week he accepted Christ. So that's that's why we do these things, and that's why it's so important for that. So I just kind of want to share that um, with you all. All right, we are in week three of our series called Stranger Think, um, living right side up in an upside down world. And we're basically dealing with the teachings of um, Jesus from the Sermon on the Mount, which many consider the greatest uh, sermon ever given. Even those who are not believers um, think it's one of the, the greatest sermons ever. And we're dealing with kind of like the preamble of it, which is the Beatitudes. Um, blessed is this and blessed is uh, are, are they. Blessed are they that do this. And so um, the the... There, there's a power that's in this to transform our lives, and often it is the opposite of what the world tells us and what we think. So that's kind of where we're talking about this kind of upside-down living. And in the Beatitudes, um, that you know, this is when Jesus came and he saw the crowds, and it says he went up to a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, and he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And that was our first week. You remember we talked about being poor in spirit. And then last week we talked about blessed are those who mourn, um, for they will be comforted. And blessed are, to this week, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now one of the things to keep in mind is all of these uh, begin with the word blessed. And we talked about, uh, and we have talked about, but I want to get everybody up on the, um, on the same level, how the word blessed, the one that is used here in the, um, this Greek word, is one that is sometimes translated as blessed and sometimes as happy. So blessed, we often look at, oh, you're so blessed because things are going well, you have lots of things. And happy, we often say, oh, wow, yeah, it's great. Life's cool, wonderful. But those tend to be temporal. But the whole meaning of this is that it's something that's internal, something that no, nothing in the world can give you, that there's an internal peace and there's internal joy, this internal happiness that, um, and this blessed nature that is constantly with you. So um, as I said, we dealt with poor in the, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, and this week we're going to deal with blessed are the meek. Blessed are the meek. And in Matthew 5, 5, it says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit. Now that's an important word, they will inherit. Anybody ever inherited anything from somebody? Anybody? Anybody inherited something really bad? You know, like you might have inherited a timeshare that you can't get rid of. Um, or um, you might have inherited some kind of furniture that you don't want, um, but it's been a family heirloom. How many, how many inherited something really good? Anybody had something really good? Okay, so when you inherit something, um, it's, it's, a, uh, it's an important word because it's, it's a promise. It's something that's coming. So you're, uh, blessed are the meek, for they will receive some kind of reward. 
Okay, so that's, that's something good. And it says, and here's the reward. You will inherit the earth. Now, um, I, I saw a, a statement this week, the meek will inherit the earth, and they probably want to give it back. Um, but um, this is one of the things that you get. This is a promise from God. And, it's, and what we're seeing here is God blesses those who are meek, or we're also going to use synonymously because the word, depending on the translation, the same thing, gentle, those who are gentle. Um, and so we got to think, are you kidding me? Are you really kidding me? That you talk about something that's upside down. Um, in, our, in our world, you don't see somebody who's meek and gentle as getting the world. Um, I, I, do we really believe that? I wouldn't believe it except for Jesus said it, and Jesus doesn't lie. Um, so I have to go along with that. So the question is, what do you think of when you think of the word meek? Like, what, what comes to your mind when you say meek? It's not a popular word today. Um, and like I said, we use the synonym gentle. But um, Jesus even used it to describe himself. In Matthew chapter 11, he said, uh, I love this verse. He said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And that means that you come to me, everybody who has so much on you. That you feel like you're going under, you're weighted down. And, and maybe it's that you have something um, that you're dealing with, this, this kind of weightiness of somebody who's struggling in your family. Or, or your friends, and you're just taking that on yourself. Or maybe you just have so much on you right now. You ever had those seasons where you just have so much on you? Like I remember probably one of the most difficult trying seasons was when my kids were younger and needed me, and my parents were older and needed us too. And so Joel and I are going back from hospital to hospital with mom and dad, and then our kids are needing us for all the activities and other kinds of stuff in life. Anybody, does that relate to anybody? You know, that, that's a weighty, weighty time that you experience during those areas. So um, you feel like you're going to collapse. And so basically Jesus is saying, you can come to me when you feel like you're going under, and I will give you rest. And then he says, take my yoke upon you. And if you want to see, you can Google it. Um, you can pull it out right now if you want to Google it. But it's yoke. Um, Y-O-K-E, and often you would put um, oxen in them, and they work together. Now, they weren't equal and powerful. One was stronger than the other. That's why you'll see one loop that is bigger than the other, because if they were both the same, they would pull against each other. So Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, being the bigger one, that one would take most of the weight, but also is the one that guides and directs. So when we take on, we can move those weights with Jesus because he's bigger, stronger. He's the one we depend on to guide us, and we're along for the ride when we really connect to that. Okay, everybody got that image? Uh, so, so that's what he's saying here. And he said, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. Isn't that odd that Jesus says he's meek? Um, the, in, that was in the um, King James Version, but in the, in the translation NIV says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle. See how those are used synonymously. And so you'll hear me use that synonymously in this time. And humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So it's interesting that Jesus ties rest to meekness. Don't you think it's interesting? That being meek and gentle, Jesus says, I am meek and I am gentle, and that is associated with, and you'll learn from me. You'll learn how to be meek and gentle. Now, I don't have to think about Jesus like that, you know? I mean, I, I just never think of, and, and I, I, I've always hated the, um, the kind of paintings and stuff and the people that depict Jesus as this little skinny guy who's like meek and mild. Oh. Like he's so scared. I mean, Jesus was a, a carpenter or probably a mason. Um, and he was like, he had to, to move that stuff around. He was probably pretty buff, you know. And when he started whipping the cords around, they weren't like, oh, look.
look at the little guy. Look at Pee Wee Herman there whipping things around. No, it was probably, he was probably like, and people were like, let's get out of here. It's Hulk Hogan, you know? Um, and so, so Jesus, I don't, I don't like the ones that make Jesus look like a wimp. I hate that stuff. Um, but but it's, not a, it's not a character like he's big or small or, or buff or not. It's that it's a, it's a, it's a part of his, his, um, his character, just who he is. He's meek and gentle in, the, in these uh, things. And so what, but, but I think it's interesting that he ties it to rest because what I found out is the angriest people are, almost, uh, are often the most exhausted people in life. Um, you find somebody that's eaten up with bitterness, you'll find somebody that is completely exhausted from hating um, or throwing up some busybody business somewhere. That's a, lot of, that's a lot of work to try to know just a little bit enough of everybody that you can just mess with everybody. Um, and so you're spending a lot of time. But Jesus says, walk in meekness and you're going to rest. Now, in Matthew 19, there's an interesting story. It's an older story. And Jesus encounters somebody. We don't know his name. He just goes down in history known as the rich young ruler. All right, that's all we know him as. And what do we know about him? He's rich and he's young. And he's a ruler. I don't know of what, but he's rich and he's young and he rules something. So he's got it all. He's got the looks. He's got, I mean, he's got everything. He's got the, the influence. He's got the money. He's got a great reputation. He's got it all. And he shows up and you can imagine the disciples like, oh, I know him. That is rich young ruler. I mean, that's that's. R-Y-R. You know him? I mean, that, that dude is awesome. All right, look at him. Look at him just carry himself. He is amazing. And so uh, they're just like, we, you know, we know him. He's just, and they're probably thinking, wow, this is cool. He wants to connect to Jesus. And that, you know, that guy's got some bank. We don't have to stay in the Super 8 anymore. We can go in like a, you know, five-star hotel. Yeah, way to go. Oh, we can have good food. We don't just have to pick stuff on the, yeah, you know, you can see there's probably excitement because they know of him. He was an upstanding person. We even know, recognize that he, he was a good religious person. He did things that were, that were good um, because he and Jesus get into this conversation and Jesus and he are talking about something and he says, what's the great, you know, tell me about this greatest commandment. Jesus tells him something. He says, oh, I've kept all those, you know, and he's like, so he's, he's rich. He's young. He's a ruler. He's got a great reputation. He do, he's a good religious boy. We can throw in another R there, right? He's rich, young, uh, ruler, and religious. I mean, he's got it all together. And so Jesus and he are talking, and they're, you know, wow, this is awesome. This is a great guy. And Jesus goes over the commands. Yeah, I kept all those. And, but Jesus says, there's one thing left that we need to talk about. We need to talk about all that stuff you got. Let's take care of that first R. Give it all away. Now, Jesus didn't care about money. Jesus cared about surrender. And he was good at what he had as long as he was in control of his life. Jesus gave him an option. And I challenge you to find many people. There was many people who wanted to uh, follow Jesus. Like the, the crippled man that was laid down in Saint, when they ripped off St. Peter's house and laid him down the feet. And he wanted to follow him. Jesus said, go home. Go home. Jesus gave this man an opportunity to follow him, but he wasn't willing to lay it down. And one of the saddest verses in Scripture comes from Matthew 19. 22 when it says, and the young, when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. And as the story finishes, Jesus talks to his disciples a little bit. 
And he gives us kind of like this, because Jesus gives us kind of like, I mean, the Beatitudes are all about like this upside down world that we live in, living right side up, and it doesn't make any sense to us. And he gives another one of these, and he says in verse uh, 30 of 19, he says, but many who are first will be last, and many who were last be first. Sounds like Ricky Bobby, doesn't it? If you're not first, you're last. Um, But that's not, that's not really what it is. Ricky Bobby's what the world says. But Jesus is saying, if you want to be first, you've got to be last. Now, how many of us use that today? Like, do we use that term first, last first? I'm, I'm last first. And you say, uh, we, we don't really use that or live that. Like, how are you feeling today? Man, I, uh, I, feel, I feel last first. What about you? You feel last first? How are you doing at work? Man, I'm, it's awesome. I'm, I'm last first. None of us think of that. Like, how many of you, when you get out of here, you're heading home and somebody's in front of you, or you come to a four-way stop sign? You ever do the wave thing to people? Wait, wait, wait. I had somebody mad at me yesterday because I waved them on. They're like, you know. I'm like, hey, last first, you know. You know. Um, I mean, we don't do that. We're we like, me first. I want to get here. I want to go. I want to do this. And it's, it, Jesus does this whole kind of thing. And the Beatitudes really do this. And Jesus in... Uh, back the scriptures even before Jesus started to teach, back in Psalm uh, 25.9, it tells us something about this beatitude that we're talking about today. And here's what it says. It says, the meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. And so what he's saying there is the meek are going to learn something completely different than the world teaches. So we're in Matthew 5.5 5 today. The meek um, and, and where the meek shall inherit the earth. And I just want to share with you a couple of translations. You're going to get a lot of, in, in case you looked at your bulletin, you're like, oh my gosh, that's a lot of scripture. And there's a lot of blanks. Don't worry, the blanks are going to be quick. But the scriptures, if you notice, I, I got into a lot of different translations because I think um, we talked about the difficulty in translating some of the stuff. And I think we get some more. So look at this from the Living Bible. It says, the meek are lowly and fortunate for the whole wide world belongs to them. And I certainly wouldn't have thought of that. I would have thought the world belongs to the angry, the brash, the rude, the nasty, the cruel, the malicious, the powerful. Anybody else with me? That's what I would think. Um, But Jesus says, no, 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 not my world, not my world. In my world, the meek have the whole wide world. It belongs to them. Look at this in, um, in the message version. It says, you're blessed when you are content with just who you are. In other words, like, here's my gifts. Here's my talents. Here's where God has brought me. Here's the journey that I'm on. Here's my personality. Here's my skills. Here's my heart. Here's my abilities. Here they are. Here I am. It's all good. All good in the hood, right? He says, you're blessed when you're content with who you are. No more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that cannot be bought. People are always trying to buy something trying to buy themselves into influence and power, trying to finance themselves into influence. And Jesus is saying that all this that can't be bought belongs to the meek. It's so radical and countercultural, all these beatitudes, that no wonder it seems so foreign to us when we read them. He says the meek, the gentle, the lowly, the humble, the kind, all have the power to possess the victory that lies with those who discover the power of meekness. Not the power of power, not the power of this world. And all these, there's this paradox. It's a kingdom paradox that exists here. And Jesus teaches us how, how to live right side up in an upside down world. And when we do that, people will think we are living upside down. 
when really we're living right side up. Um, and so it's, it's very interesting. Jesus said things like this. He said this constantly. He said, you gain by losing. You really live when you're dying. You rise up when you're bowing down. You win by losing. You're truly alive when you're serving. If you want to be first, then be last. If you want to grow, then give. None of that makes any sense in the world standards. So if you want the whole wide world, then be meek and gentle. And not a lot of people seek after meekness. You say, what do you want to do in life? I want to be meek. No, not many people do that. Um, like, for instance, you ever go on a job description? And you sit down and they go, hey, tell me your strength. And you go, well, I'm just super meek. I just got to say, I got big meekness oozing out my pores. And I am like, just call me gentleness jack. That's who I am. And they're going to go, oh, next, all right. Um, we never lead with that. We never, ever, ever lead with that. And they may say, you may say something, so tell me what's going on. Let me, you know, let me just tell you what's going on. I got like meekness everywhere. It's like just meek. Meek, 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 you know, all over the place. And, you know, things are happening to me. Ooh, uh, hang around me. You're going to get some meekness. They will run away from you. Because it's not, we can, it's way, meek is way, way, and gentle are way, way down the list. And we don't even involve it. Even if we have that personality, we look at it as a weakness. And I'm here to tell you, meek is not weak. Meek is not weak. Um, and so when we look in the, we, we think there's no strength in it. But when we look to the Bible, we find some of the greatest people that we look to we're meek. Anybody heard of a person named Moses? The Bible tells us that Moses was one of the meekest people ever. It's cool because he wrote it about himself, but he wasn't most, maybe wasn't the most humble, but he, uh, he wrote a lot of meekness. Um, but Moses was a deliverer. Moses was a warrior. Moses led millions of people um, on an impossible journey. Part of the Red Sea by the power of God, and he defeated Pharaoh's army by the power of God. And he dealt with a lot of other really cool stuff, and he was meek. What about Isaiah? Anybody heard of him? The Bible said Isaiah walked in meekness. And Isaiah got this, he and Jeremiah had some tough stuff that they had to deal with. But Isaiah confronted a whole nation that was headed the wrong way. We're worshiping idols and giving over to sin of all kinds of evil. And he stood against the evil and all the nonsense of, in, by just the power of meekness. And then the greatest person who ever walked the planet, Jesus Christ. And Jesus said things about himself. And one of those is, I am meek. Meekness is not weakness. It's not passive. It's not fragile. It's not lazy. It's not timid at all. So how do we define meekness or how do we define gentleness? Well, it's simply this. It's strength under control. Strength under control. Under control of what? It means that we are submitted to the, the authority and the direction of God Almighty. Right? In our lives. In all things. And when you do a Greek study on, on, in the Greek words on meekness, you get a really powerful picture. Um, and the picture of it that, that they provide for that is a powerful stallion, like a, like a wild, like, horse. Right? Anybody ever tried to break a horse? 
I know I had some friends we did, tried that one time, never did, and I don't think we'll ever do it again. Um, but um, a rope broke too. It was rather interesting. I mean, I, I, I kind of hung out and watched. I don't, you know, I heard about it. I don't even know I was here because I'm too smart. Um, but anyway, um, you know, horses, you ever see like wild horses? Anybody been down like to Astatig or Shinkatig and you see them and you're like, oh, I want to go near them. But like if you went near them, they would like bite your hand off or like run you over. You know what I mean? Anybody know this? And you ever, like, I remember when I was a kid, we went down for the pony swim that they did. And and anybody ever been to that? And then they, they sell them. And I remember seeing like them all in there and they're like, they're like panicky. They've never been, never been fenced in and they're, they're pulling against the reins and, and they're just, they're wild and they got this energy and you're, there's kind of like this fear that's there too. You're like, I hope it doesn't get me. You know what I mean? That a wild horse, anybody want to go near a wild horse? Anybody want to ride one? No, no. Uh, yeah, <laughs> some people are crazy. Um, but um, but so, you know, when you have this, think of this image of this wild horse that's just, just like a, quarter horse, just pure muscle, and, you know, just like, you know, like breezing that, you know, shoots out there. But it, but you know, it's, it's got all that power, but meekness is you take that horse and we even talk about it. You break a horse. Now, does that horse have any less power? No, that, how, that horse is broken and it's submitted. So with just a bit in its mouth, when, when trained and when it, when it gives up that, that wild living, when it just gets to the point of being in control, that power can be guided and trained and, and surrendered and be used for so much more than it ever was before. And that's the image that they give us of meekness and gentleness, that we, we still have that power, but we actively submit our power and our, our strength to God Almighty for his use. So it's surrendered strength. It's, it's surrendered and submitted power. A biblical scholar once said that... Um, that meekness and gentleness means that we're under control of the reins of the master. Far too often we are not living under control of the master. Maybe far too often it's because we're not broken. And if we don't let the word of God tame us, we run through life as a wild stallion. I don't know about you, but there, you know, like there are some people that I, I love to just run over. Yeah, right? You know what I mean? Like I just want to run them over. And be like, give, give that kind of like kick, you know? Anybody with me? And, and, I, and I have that in life, you know? Like, and particularly, like, you come at my family, man, you know? That's, that's how I feel. You know what I mean? Anybody, anybody with me? Am I the only ignorant one here? All right? Um, and so, so that happens a lot of times. And there's, there's things that I just want to snap and that, that wildness wants to come out. And, and, and I'm justified in it because I'm a horse. That's what I'm made. I'm a horse. I'm a wild horse. Look out. You know, I want to be like a Clydesdale all over their heads. You know what I mean? But when we submit in gentleness and meekness to the master, we can do so much more than just the damage that we do for, for being a wild horse. A tamed horse is really more powerful than an untamed horse because it will make greater gains. It's more profitable for use. And, it's, and so in preparing for this message today, I just, I just had to kind of think, Lord, you know, help me understand meekness. Help me understand meekness because it's painful because, here's, here's why it's painful, because the more I read about meekness, the more I realize Jack ain't too meek. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm just not. I'm just, I, you know, I can, I can be kind, but in my mind, I'm not, I'm, <clears throat> right, you know? Um, and, and I have some times where I just, you know, it, it's just there. And so I struggle with this meekness because I have this kind of, I had this connotation about it's just, meek does equal weak, but it doesn't. 
And so I was, I was thinking about what meekness is and is not. And so I figured I'd, I'd, I'd help us out a little bit this week. You know, because like when we hear meekness, some of us think it's like this, or like a feather. Ooh, I'm meek. Mm. I'm meek. Meek, 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 meek. I'm so weak and so fragile. Ooh, I just blow around like this. And whatever people say and their opinion of us, whatever's going on in the world, we're not going to we, we say anything. Oh, oh, and uh, they're, they're saying something. Oh, but I'm not going to say anything about Jesus. Ooh, I'm just floating around playing the Forrest Gump theme, right? Um, and uh, I don't say anything about the Word of God. I don't say anything about Christ in my life because uh, feathers don't cause problems, right? Feather comes near you, you go, floats around someplace else. And the culture sometimes wants the church to be a feather. They want to, oh, you're coming up. And, and guess what? For a long time, the church has obliged the culture. Okay, go away. And we just kind of, ooh, ooh, I'm meek. But we're not a feather. Other times, we're a sledgehammer. Oh, you said what? I'm going to come at you right now. Bam! Right? You guys got nervous over there. You thought I was going to lose my hand. Um, y- y'all, y'all need to be saved because you're going to hell. Bam! Right? And we just, we just go after people all the time. And, and ain't nobody good but me. You're all just going to hell. And I'm glad I'm the only one who's going to be in heaven. You know? I mean, we're like that time and time again. And, and our whole, whole faith exists on debating and, and division and anger and frustration and just, you know, you should love Jesus like I do. Bam! You know, over the top of your head and we're just mean and nasty. Anybody know anybody like this? <laughs> we're not a feather. We're not a sledgehammer. But boy, is that two images of if you ask people in the world what the church is like. It's not either one of these. The best picture, I think, of meekness is surrender. Surrender. Surrender to God Almighty and the power of His Spirit. Now, you may say right now, Jack, that's hard. Yep. But I don't know about you, but I wish, I wish like, the Beatitudes were like multiple choice. Like, I'll take two, four... Six and seven, that'll, that'll work, you know. But they're not. Um, they are all life-changing. They're all part of life. They're counterculture. And there's no greater strength on the power of the planet, what Jesus tells us, than someone who is gentle and meek, surrendered to the power of the Holy Spirit in his direction. For where there, there's power where meekness is and gentleness. Because meekness is strength under control. So where does it come from? Where does it come from, and how does this happen? Because like I said, I'm just not meek. Let's go to James chapter 1, verse 21 in the New King James Version. And this is a a core verse, a main verse on allowing meekness to develop in your life. And look what it says here. It says, therefore, lay aside all filthiness and and overflow of wickedness. Have you ever felt like the wickedness is like overflowing, just like overflowing? And, and receive, not demand, not, des, not deserve, not by grace and mercy, uh, but only by grace and mercy of the cross of Christ. And receive with what? Meekness, the implanted word which is able to save your soul. With meekness. So how does all this work? How can I walk in this? How could this happen in my life? So here we go. Um, three things I want to share with you about living this way, and then we're going we're gonna to share some, um, some other things really quickly 
about, um, about gentleness and meekness. So um, three things living this way. Number one, you need to give yourself and you live with a repentant heart. That is one of the key. A repentant heart. It just says, God, I need you. God, I, I, I really need you and I need your help and I'm, I'm, I'm opening my life to you. I'm sorry about that. It's not, it's not all me. It's not about what I want, what I need. I'm not the main focus. You are. Remember, it's not meekness. Uh, it's not weakness. Meekness is not weakness. It's not a doormat and it's not a feather. Uh, and when I'm being repentant, you're strong enough to say, hey, I was wrong. And you know, when I said that, I remember, anybody remember Happy Days? Remember Fonzie couldn't say wrong. He'd say, I was, right, remember? A lot of us live life that way. I was, I'm, I'm sorry, I was, you know, we can't. And for those of you who have no clue what it is, look at, you know, YouTube is probably there. All right. Um, but, um, you know, God, forgive me. I, I forgive me for I've wrong, wronged people. And, and Lord, let me, help me forgive those who have wronged me. Um, because I, I, what I really want to do is I want to sledgehammer them. But I know that's not what you want. So help me, help me get over that, God. Help me, help me release myself from there. And they're the strongest people on the planet. Now, the second thing is a receptive spirit. Remember, meekness and gentleness um, is something that we receive. Why do we receive it? Because if you look at it, it is a fruit of the spirit. We're given a list of fruits of the spirit. Um, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness. There's gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, and self-control, or meekness and gentleness. So it's a fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. And so we receive fruit, and, if I, I, and we grow in fruit. And so um, we have to have a receptive heart. The third thing is a responsive life, that after this, I'm going to respond. I'm going to be a doer of the world, word. Uh, James, um, in chapter 1, verse 22, says, Do not merely listen to the word, and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Be a doer of the world. It's, it's basically strength under control. It's called having a tender heart and a thick skin. Um, we have nothing to prove in your life. That God has the final say. All right? So what I want to do with our remaining time is I want to share with you. Everybody, everybody got where we are now? Okay? Because what I want to do is I want to share with you seven benefits of how learning to be meek or gentle, and I put gentle here, so you help me say that, um, will bless your life. Because we're saying, blessed are the what? The meek or the gentle. Blessed are the meek and gentle. So if you're blessed, you get, the promise is you receive the, the earth. But how do we get there? What are, what are the benefits? What, you know, because we're told that there's an inheritance. So I'm going to get the earth, but I don't want it in this form. What do I get? What is the reward? Because remember, every one of these things start with you are blessed when for theirs is. So there is an inheritance that comes after this. So here we go. Let's take a look at this. Um, number one, gentleness diffuses conflict. Gentleness diffuses conflict. It de-escalates anger. And it diffuses a time bomb in any relationship that's about ready to explode. Gentleness is often an antidote to anger. My mom used to have this saying, kill him with kindness, when I wanted to just, you know, kill him. Um, Forget the kindness part. You know, that's where... Um, uh, so, um, but, but it, it does diffuse. Look at what it says in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1. It says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Anybody had situations like that? 
I mean, it, you don't give, you, if, if you don't add fuel to the fire, if you don't put another log on, on the, uh, the campfire, it's eventually going to burn out. It may smolder for a while, but it's going to burn out. But if you're, if you're both dumping logs and gasoline on the fire, that sucker's going to take out the whole yard. Um, and that's what we have. So, I mean, you know, we, we need to look at what we say in Ecclesiastes 10, uh, 4, in the New Living Translation, it, it tells us this. If, uh, I like this translation, if your boss is angry with you, don't quit. A quiet, gentle spirit can overcome even great mistakes. Okay? Um, I've always loved, uh, if, if I've been in a position to employ people or to be in a position where I had people employed, I always was, is, am one to recognize that mistakes are made. Because guess what? I've made them too. Um, and the, the bosses that I've had in my life, when I made mistakes, the ones that I look back to as the ones that I cared about, the ones that taught me more and, and grew were the ones who were just, who said, hey, they were honest with me. They said, listen, you screwed up. You made a big mistake. They, they, I mean, they, they talked to me, and I was like, eh. and they said, now here's what we're going to do. You're not going to do this again, but you grow from it. And the growth aspect helped me do more than the bosses who said, you know, out of here, you're just a jerk, you didn't listen to me, obey me, blah, 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 right? Anybody with me? And, and so that's, that's uh, you know, the gentle, the gentle quiet uh, spirit at work in there. Number two, gentleness disarms critics. Gentleness disarms critics. The more successful you are in life, the more visible you are in life, you're going to, uh, the more that you do in life, the more critics you're going to have. Anybody agree with me? Anybody, anybody ever know that? Like when, if, you're, if you live a public life, you're going to get more critics than you ever know what to do with, right? Anyone? Um, and so what begins to happen, the only way not to be criticized is to do, do nothing and be nothing. Um, if you actually stand for something instead of falling for everything, you're going to be criticized in life. And the more successful, the more visible you are, the more criticized you're going to be. The more well-known you are, the more criticized you're going to be. Like, is, is there anybody in here who would ever want to be a president of the United States? Half the world hates you automatically. I mean, you know, I, I kind of like people to like me, but I, you know, just by being something, you're automatically, and, and, it, and it doesn't have to be present now, it can be anything. If you're a boss, if you're public, if you do this, if you're, if you're a volunteer. You ever volunteer for Little League? <laughs> I mean, come on. You sign up to help little kids learn how to play baseball, and before you know it, you're wanting to take a baseball bat to the, to the administration that's there, right? You know what I mean? Tell me I got to do how many concessions? Are you kidding me? I got to dump what trash? You're yelling at me because it's in the rule book. Oh, we changed the rule book. Let me tell you about my rule book. You know what I mean? It is evil. Evil comes out in that time and time and time again. Um, so, I mean, here's where we are. So how do we handle critics in our lives? People who, like the people who gossip against you at school, and we're going to talk about that later on in the Beatitudes, blessed are those who um, said things falsely to you, or, or at work, or in your neighborhood, or people who say bad things against you. The point, when you respond in gentleness, it disarms your critics. It actually disappoints them. Because when somebody criticizes you on social media, anybody ever read anything about themselves on social media that you're like, really? Like, I could have been like, really, I'm that nice? Or really, I'm that bad? Um, you might have had those things. Uh, when somebody criticizes you on social media or it gets back to you, or um, what are they trying to do? They're often just trying to hook you in. You know, they're trolling. They're fishing out there. 
that Jack Cohen is, uh, I'm what, you know? Um, excuse me, let me put down my feather and get my sledgehammer, you know? And, and, and we do these things time and time again, and we get caught up in it. They want you to get engaged in this back and forth, this back and forth. And I've seen some of the dumbest arguments between people. Anybody ever seen some of the dumbest arguments between people? And, and like somebody could say, hey, look at, what I, look at what I knitted today. And they'll be like, yeah, well, it looks like crap. What did you do it at the school of the blind? You know, I mean, like, it's just, and they don't even know each other. And before you know it, they're yelling at each other. And, and, I'm, and I'm like, then I realize that if, I, if I'm reading this, I'm getting caught up in this. And I have an opinion on this. And I'm, you know, and I want to I yell at the people who are being mean to other people. And I'm like, eh, you know what, it didn't, doesn't look that good. But, you know, I mean... We get caught up in that, and it is just every day just something that is nonsensical. And there is a psychology to this because there are people who want you to be defensive and want you to get angry. There is a, a psychological explanation for this. There is an anger addiction. There's a, a, it's as real as any other addiction. Some people are just addicted to the feeling of anger. It's the only way that they feel alive and good about themselves. And they're living in such a depressed state that they just want to make everybody else around them angry and miserable. I got people that I, since I was a kid, and I'm not a kid, I'm 51 years old. Uh, I know I look like I'm 31, but I'm 51. But I remember there's people I know from when I was a kid, they were miserable. And they're in their 70s and 80s, and they're still miserable people. And you know what? They passed it on to the next generation to be miserable. And so there's like a generation miserable people, time and time again, they don't even know what they're angry about. They're just angry. Angry at everything. The sun in the alley, the sun too hot, and it's snowing, it's too cold, and it's raining, and it's not raining, it's too dry. They're just miserable. Because there's an addiction to, ang to be angry, and they're sucking you and me into it. And we get angry that they're angry. Why are you so angry and miserable? You're such a miserable jerk. Why are you so angry? I hate that you're angry. Oh, gosh, I'm angry, right? <laughs> and we get caught up in this, in this great, great, you know, conglomerate of mess of anger. And we can add to that gossip. We can add to all kinds of things in there. But pe some people are always looking for a fight. And you, you, guys, you guys know who I'm talking about, like, I mean, don't look at them if they're here. But um, maybe, maybe you had a parent like that, and maybe, maybe you married somebody like that, or maybe you had a boyfriend or girlfriend like that. They're always looking for a fight. Um, because some people don't feel good until they get angry and make everybody else angry and miserable around them. And you cannot let, you cannot let them pull you in because they hook you, and then off goes gentleness and meekness. 1 Corinthians 4 says this, how do we deal with it? We respond gently when evil things are said about us. Titus 2.8. Your conversation. Oh, that's nice. Um, your conversation should be so sensible that anyone who wants to argue will be ashamed because there won't be anything to criticize in anything you say. Think about your conversations this week. Did you give somebody some good ammo to criticize something you said or, or, or wrote down? That's, that's powerful. So that's the second one. Next one is gentleness is persuasive. It de-escalates anger. It diffuses that time bomb in any relationship. For instance, um, if you've ever been in any kind of sales career, um, if you've been in sales or you have to sell something, um, some kind of product, you definitely have to learn gentleness in today's world um, to sell things. Uh, the hard sale no longer works. 
You know, we're too savvy for that now. Um, but it used to be uh, the way people got your attention. They would have the loudest advertisements. They would just scream and yell at you all the time. You know, come on in to Fast Eddie's. And, you know, like the young what? And, you know, um, okay, I'll buy you. Shut up. You know, um, and, and then, uh, then you'd have other people like, anybody remember Billy Mays? Oxyclean, that's the first time I ever heard about Oxyclean. Get Oxyclean because you can do this. And then he had the thing that you paint on the screen door and the screen door boat, you know what I'm talking about. And they're just yelling. Like, it's got to be good because he's yelling. He's yelling at me and I'm, oh, I'll buy it. And 1995 for 25, I'm okay, I'll buy them. You know, and they just yell and they yell. Uh, the car dealers, they just yell at you. And, and how many bought Gensu knives because you're afraid somebody was going to yell at you some more, you know? The, how many know Gensu knives? I bought Gensu knives, okay? You're, and, and that's just what it was. It was always just yelling. And you had like the, the, you had the, like the, the guy with the, was it Matthew Lesko with the, like the Joker, uh, the Riddler suit with all the question marks on it? Buy this and find out I get all this government money for free. I'm like, okay, you know? And that doesn't work anymore. If you go to buy a car now and somebody says, hey, this car will be good for you, you need it. You'd be like, I'm out. I'm out because that doesn't work anymore. But somebody comes up to you and says, hey, you know, what you looking for? Okay, yeah, and, and so you have a family, okay, um, are you looking for this? And, and they're listening to you and they're conversating, hey, I want to get you the best deal. And you're going to go like, all right, all right. You know, somebody, somebody help you, somebody that, that, that is gentle in the midst of that. When somebody comes on really hard and forceful, our automatic reaction is, back off. You're way, way too much. Um, and so what works is gentleness. Um, when we go to buy something now, you know, besides internet, what do we do? We, 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 or we go get something. We go to our, ask our friends, people that we love and we care about and we trust and say, hey, you know, what, what did you get? Where did you buy that? What is, what is it? Oh, I had, a good, I had a great experience. There's a salesperson, his name is, or her name is, right? And we say, okay, and we go look for them. Um, or uh, what movies did you guys say? Oh, I saw this great movie. You got to go see it. I mean, I saw the new Top Gun. It's great. Tom Cruise looks as good as he did. Everybody else is a mess, but he looks good. Uh, you know, I mean, and, and, you know, you talk about it, and you say, oh, you got to go see it. It's, it's, it's better than the first one. Right? Anybody heard this? Anybody go see it? It is. It's really good. See, now you all want to go see Tom, Tom, Tom Cruise. You want to see, man, how is Tom Cruise looking that good, you know? Um, so, but we go, we go through this, and we, we lean on them. And, and for restaurants, what restaurants do you go? Oh, you got to go to this one restaurant. Food's delicious. The service is awesome. Same way it works the other way. Don't go to this place because they're awful. They're mean. They're nasty. They do this. They say that. You know, we, we, we have that. We have that experience. And people say, well, I'm never going there again because they trust you and they know who, the type of person that you are. In Proverbs 25, 15, uh, in the message version, it says, gentle speech breaks down rigid defenses. And the other translation from it in the um, NCV is, a gentle word can get through to the hard-headed. I love that. Pastor Rick Warren, I saw him um, make, he made a statement, and he said, I'm never persuasive when I'm abrasive. I'm never persuasive when I'm abrasive. When you're abrasive in your language, you actually self-defeat yourself because all the things you do not want to happen because you're being abrasive and you want persuasion, they actually happen, all the things that you don't want because you're being so abrasive. So gentleness is persuasive. Number four, everybody good? Gentleness is, ready, attractive. If you want to be more attractive, you don't just have to go to the gym. You have to be more gentle in your life. One of the laws of life is this. I attract what I am, and I don't, attr I don't attract what I want. 
For example, if you're single and you want a godly man, then you better be a godly woman. If you want a, a godly woman, then you better be a godly man. There's a reason why we call people gentlemen. Like we don't, somebody who spits in your face and, you know, like, you know, says, get your own door. We don't call a gentleman, do we? But somebody who goes over and opens the door, you know, first, say, hey, like parents, we still look for that, don't we? Like we're like, hmm, we're looking, you know. I mean, now I'm, after 31 years, I'm like, what, what are you waiting outside for? You know, I'm getting, the, but we do those things. We do, that's why we get the term gentleman, right? Because we want, there, there's a character that's there. And, um, and I know that, you know, particularly when you get to, like, my grandparents' age and stuff, that, that those, those things were major. Like, I always thought it was weird, like, when they would have a mud puddle way back in the days, that the guys would take off their coat and put it down so that a lady could walk across. Why didn't she walk around? <laughs> I mean, they... Then he's having to scrub, you know, his, his coat. Anyway, I'm sorry, that's my ADHD going, but anyway. But that was a gentlemanly thing to do. Well, you know, like that kind of stuff. And so, so we have that term, a gen gentleman are gentle men. And the way you become a gentleman is by being gentle. And explain that. In First Peter 3, 4, gentleness is attractive. And here he's talking to women at this time, but it's good for all people. And it says this, you should be known for the beauty that comes from within. The unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. Have you ever read that verse? Um, and I got to tell you this, no matter how gorgeous you are or how studly and macho you are, beauty is going to fade. It's all fading. I mean, like, it hurt, stuff hurts that never, I didn't even know I had. You know what I mean? And, and I'm like, my gosh. I, I, I found a picture, like, from 2017. I didn't have a gray hair in my head. And now I'm like, what the... You know, I just, you don't see it now because it's real close, you know. And, but, you know, and I don't grow a goatee anymore because that sucker looks like Santa Claus, Craig, you know. And I'm like, what happened? It's because it all starts to fade at one point. That stuff's good. I mean, you go back and look in the, at the pinup models back in the 20s and the, in the 70s and the 80s. And now we're getting to 90s and 2000s. And then you look at them years later, you're like, time has not been good to you. Because it fades physically if that's what we put our, our faith and our trust in. Because I can buy stuff to make me look better for a time, but it's all going to fade. The one thing that is unfading is a gentle and quiet spirit. That lasts forever. And I've known some people that would not win a beauty pageant or a Mr. Universe pageant, including myself, yet their gentle spirit made them the most beautiful person in the world. There's an unfading beauty. Number five, gentleness communicates love. The quickest way to improve your relationships is to start talking and listening in a meek and gentle way. Again, Jack is not very meek. These are all things we have to work on, all right? Um, and, I, and I always love the fact, that, keep in mind that this is a fruit of the Spirit because fruit, you don't just plant the seed and go, whoo, I'm going to eat an apple today. It takes a while to grow, and it needs to be watered, and it needs to be nursed, and it needs to be taken care of. So these aren't just like, you know, like I've always told somebody, hey, don't pray for patience because God's going to give you stuff in your life that you're going to have to be patient about. It's not like he goes, oh, here's patience. No, you're going to have all chaos around you so that you have to 
grow in patience, all right? And, and it's a fruit. That's how it is. But gentleness communicates love. And it's, it's, it's not only a way of relationship, you know, spousal relationship, boyfriend, girlfriend, friend. I think gentleness is probably the biggest key to effective parenting. Um, my worst parenting has been when I disciplined out of anger and frustration. Right? Right? Anybody else, any other parents agree with me? And it's easy. You know, like, you have those moments when your kids do something and you're so angry. I mean, you're like, <laughs> you know, you're that wild stallion. Here we go. And then you have that flashback and like, mm-hmm. no wonder my dad was so mad. Right? And you have that. But then I look back at the times that my dad was the most effective with me. Um, yeah, there was times where he was, he was a limping stallion because my dad had, you know. Um, he had one leg shorter than the other. Sorry, he would have thought it was funny. Um, but... Um, there were times where that frustration there, but the most powerful parenting moments were the times where he was gentle and meek. Times where I frustrated the most. And I remember one time I was living my life and I came home and he was a little bit mad at me because I'd, you know, I'd come in like four o'clock in the morning and he was, he was there and mom wanted me to do something and I was enjoying my sleep in the middle of the day. And about two o'clock he was a little frustrated with me and told me to get up and I was like, I rolled out of bed. And he's sitting there talking to me, and I'm just like, you know, the eye roll. <laughs> That's a good way to get a, your parent a horse stallion, like, roll those eyes, <laughs> you know. Um, and I was there, and I was just doing that. And um, he said to me this one statement. He said, Jack, um, God has his hand on your life. And he said, the Lord's never going to leave you, but one day he's going to let you go. That's meek. Now, the punishment afterwards wasn't so meek, but that was meek. And you know, what stu- you know what stood with me longer? That statement stood with me my whole entire life and well to the day I die. Um, and so um, what you have is that is meekness in, in parenting is a, is a great way to work through all kinds of things. You know, like when I, when I look at life and I look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 in the Amplified Bible, it says, Fathers, do not irritate and provoke your children to anger. You ever been somewhere where you just hear parents just picking on their kids and cutting every single thing down that they do? They can never do enough. They can never be perfect enough. I mean, we go back to sports and all kinds of stuff. They're never perfect enough. And they're just angry at them because they're not as perfect as they want them to be. It says, do not exasperate them to resentment, but rear them tenderly in the training and discipline and the counsel of the Lord. What does that mean? Don't raise the standards and set the bar so high that there's no way that they can ever meet them, ever. That's horrible to do to kids. And I, I was guilty of it. Why aren't you doing this? Why? You know, and then, you know, at the time I, I stepped back and said, hey, do what you want. You know, it's, it's all good. Number six, gentleness is a witness to unbelievers. When people look at you, and just to let you know, non-believers are looking at Christians all the time. They're watching you to see, are you different than they are when you're under stress? Are you different than they are when you're under pressure or when tragedy hits? When you respond to pressure with gentleness, it's an incredible testimony to the world. We're back in Titus here. I said, I don't know the last time I used Titus, but here's two things on Titus. Titus says, believers should never speak evil of anyone. Ouch. Anybody like that verse? Not me. Nor be quarrelsome. Instead, they should be what? Gentle and show courtesy to everyone. Does that mean you don't disagree with people? No, 
you do disagree with people. You can disagree with people. You just can't speak evil of them. You just can't intentionally harm them or seek harm to them. You can't slander them. You can't do personal attacks against them. Not if you claim to be a follower of Jesus. I mean, you can, but that isn't meek. And that's not Jesus. I, one, of the, one of the most valuable times I've ever had in my life is when I've been able to spend gentle, not combative time with those who are completely opposed to everything I disagree. And this is hard because in a world that we live, if somebody disagrees, if you don't agree with me, you're my enemy. And we're going to have a yelling match or a battle. Um, there's, we've lost the art of communication. We've lost the art of valuing the other person and valuing their opinion in discussion. Even to the point that in many of our higher institutions of learning, we can't have free expression like we used to. And throughout, even, I mean, those of you who remember things in the 60s and 70s, the higher education levels were the places where people could express any kind of ways. And now we don't even have that. It's, it's closed more and more and more. And so I, I've had so many valuable times with finding out what they believe. Because when I listen and I, and I, I go with a gentleness to them and I, I listen to them, and then they'll be willing to listen to me. And, and I may disagree with what they believe and I may disagree with how they're living their life or the approach to life that they have with their concepts, with their politics, with their stances on hotbed issues or whatever. But I love this definition about, of evangelism. It says, here's evangelism. You build a bridge of love between your heart and theirs and Jesus walks across. Isn't that awesome? I mean, you build a bridge to people. Oh, so you believe that, which I'd never do? Hey, let me, let me hear what, what you're thinking there. You know, I don't know everything here, but guess what? I know Jesus loves you. I can't tell somebody Jesus loves them, and I can't convince them that Jesus loves them if I'm putting down everything that they believe in. It could be wrong and be straight from the pit of hell, but that's not doing them any good because they're going to see me as arrogant and, and dismissive. And guess what? They're right. And the church has been way too dismissive of people over the years. Jesus never dismissed anyone. He said, come to me. I know you're living a life and you're doing this, but it was that bridge of love that he built that allowed them to have transformation in their life. People aren't going to trust Jesus until they first trust you. I, I rarely have people ask me, is the Bible trustworthy and credible? Rarely. I mean, I get to it later. I usually have more church people ask that. But most of the people want to know this. Are you trustworthy and credible? Jack Cohen, are you trustworthy and credible? Are you the real deal? Are you genuine? Are you loving? Are you compassionate? Or you just talk about it? If people like what they see, they will listen to what you say, but they first got to process what they're saying. You don't compromise. You don't, you don't compromise your beliefs. Woo! You don't compromise that just to agree with everyone. You don't do that. But gentleness is just simply building that bridge of love. 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. I always hated when I'd see um, Westboro Baptist Church. I would pick it at soldiers' funerals and have some of the most hateful signs. And yet they're called Westboro Baptist Church. 
And like God's like saying, you ain't part of this body. Where's your meekness? Where's your meekness? But you know, it's not just Westboro. It's individual Christians in every church, every walk of life. That we are the in crowd and they're the out crowd. And, and we, you know, busting hell wide open and, you know, enjoy. We see things, we, we, we go and hit people with, over the head with 20-pound Bibles and tell them, turn or burn. Or you're going to die and fry while we go to the sky. You know, that kind of stuff. That doesn't work at all. It doesn't work with me. makes me not like you. makes me not want to be part of you. You call yourself a Christian? I hope you're not in heaven next to me. You know, I mean, gentleness is a, is a witness to unbelievers. Jesus used gentleness time and time again. Number seven, here we go. It's a big one. Gentleness makes me more like Jesus. If you want to be like Jesus, you're going to have to learn to be gentle. Matthew 11, we started with this. Come to me, uh, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Does that mean if I want to be like Jesus, I've got to be meek and gentle? Yep. Is it possible that the stress, worry, pressure that I'm feeling in my life is because I'm not meek and gentle? Yep. Because the Bible says the more gentle you are, the more you become like Christ. You can't just will it. You can't fake it. You can't pretend it. You can't manufacture. Today I'm going to be meek and gentle. Remember, it's a fruit of the Spirit. And Galatians 5 says the fruit of the Spirit is, and it has a list that says gentleness. So a prayer to pray, because remember, Jack's not gentle, is, Lord, help me treat people the way Jesus would. Why? Because Jack ain't gentle. And neither are you by nature. We must let God produce in our lives, and we must learn to use it. So as we wind down to close today, meekness is an abiding place for God's provision. When we walk in meekness, God provides supernaturally for us. And I wanted to close today with giving you a list of probably one of the most meek people that ever lived the earth and um, gave so much in the image of, of Jesus. And her name was Mother Teresa. Everybody's heard of Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa never fought a war. Mother Teresa was um, a, a woman who spent most of her time in the dregs of Calcutta, India, to the unlovable, but the world knows her because she was meek and gentle and loved those who were we, many people considered the unlovable. And she came up with a humility list. And if this doesn't display gentleness, I don't know what does. Speak as little as possible about yourself, number one. Number two, keep busy with your own affairs and not those of others. Number three, avoid curiosity. Number four, do not interfere in the affairs, in the affairs of others. Number five, accept small irritations with good humor. Number six, do not dwell on the faults of others. Number seven, accept censures even if unmerited. Number eight, Give in to the will of others. Number nine, accept insults and injuries. Number 10, accept contempt, being forgotten and disregarded. Number 11, be courteous and delicate even when provoked by someone. Number 12, do not seek to be admired and loved. Number three, 13, do not pr protect yourself beyond your own dignity. Number 14, give in in discussions even when you're right. And number 15, choose always the more difficult task.
We know her because she is so meek. You may say, Jack, that is difficult to live in these days. All the Beatitudes are very difficult to live in any time. It's going to be difficult, but choose the more difficult path. It's difficult to live and walk in the Beatitudes. But the, my question to you is this. What in the world are we living for? Are we living for the rewards that we're getting here before we go? Or are we living for what Christ promised, that the meek will inherit the earth? Don't live for your critics. Don't live for yourself. Live for the King of kings and the Lord of lords. His name is Jesus. Because more meekness, more power, more gentleness, more power. Because there is power in meekness. Amen? All right, let's stand up. Today, Lord, we just um, close out this uh, message today on meekness. And I got to tell you, for me, so far this is the hardest one. Because I ain't meek. I am a, uh, a Clydesdale ready to run somebody over. Because I got a lot, a lot of those things that we, we talked about, the list that Mother Teresa gave that just solidified everything, hit home. It just, you know, I think I'm a good, good person and, and I'm better than, than what's out there. But I'm still not good. Scripture tells us none of us are good, not one. Boy, do I display that. The Apostle Paul said, I'm the greatest of all sinners. God, don't help me just focus on that, like uh, being guilted into following you. But God, may I seek and want to have this fruit of gentleness and, and meekness in my life. Through your Holy Spirit, it is all, all that can happen. And through my surrender, help me not to be a feather that when people start saying things and doing things. I just go by the wind and whatever's going on. Like, don't, don't want to say anything about you. Don't want to do anything. I'm just blowing along on the wind. That's not meekness. And help me not be a sledgehammer so much. I mean, I just want to, you know, bash people over the heads into loving you and to serving you. But God, let me start with my own surrender. One of the things that we do and we we worship God that many people do is they lift their hands up. That's the universal sign of surrender. So God, here today, as I have my hands lifted up, I surrender to you, and I hope others are following with that same surrender. For God, you're, you're, you're amazing. And more, the older I get and the, as this beauty fades more so from the outside, I pray that inside that gentle and quiet spirit grows stronger and stronger, a beauty that never fades, so that I can show the world you through me. So during this time, God, I know there's people here that just uh, need to connect to you, and there'll be people up front to pray with them, and, and God, just people are going through so much, and the world's not meek. We're not going to find the answers in this world. That's what this whole thing's about. Maybe find it in you. May we be blessed and inherit the earth. Because that's your promise. I don't see it, but I don't need to when I submit to your will. So God, there's some heavy laden people here. 
and are weary. People on the sound of my voice, they couldn't even maybe even get out of bed today. But God, I know that they, they just need to yoke themselves to you because it's easy and you'll take on that burden for the many blessings you've given us in, in this church. We give you praise and I thank you for both the tither and giver who are choosing this time to go ahead and give back and for those who are visiting, you're our guests. We do not expect you to give at all. Just receive what God has for you here today. But God, for those gifts that we do have, we ask that you continue to bless the world that you've called us to. Our brothers and sisters in Haiti are doing some amazing things that we're going to share about here soon. And the people in our own community who, who need to see the gentleness of, of Jesus and just a little, little step up and a little help because they're so far behind because the world's a cruel place. So Lord, as we close out this time, we thank you for how mighty and great you are, but that you're also very meek and loving. Help us to be your church that displays that. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. The splendor of a king Clothed in majesty Let all the earth rejoice Let all the earth rejoice He wraps himself in light And darkness tries to and trembles at his voice, and trembles at his voice. How great is our God. Sing with me. How great is our God. And all will see how great, how great is our God.
is our God. Isn't he good? He's awesome. God is great. Oh, that was a lame clap. That wasn't a good one at all. That was awful. Isn't God great? There you go. All right, everybody. Uh, I hope you have an amazing week, and I hope that God gives you many things to be meek and gentle about. Because this is no good if we're just, you know, church is no good. Our faith is no good unless we put it into practice. We need to not only be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. So I'm praying that God gives you a lot of people that aren't very gentle so you can display gentleness. Sorry. God bless you all. Amen. <laughs>